the Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. A very blessed and happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers in the building and those who are online. Yeah, let's acknowledge them and appreciate them. And, um, and an additional appreciation for all of the grandmothers uh, in the building and also online. Let's appreciate the, the grandmothers. <clears throat> Happy Mother's Day to, to my own mother. Um, I shared with some of the guys and girls on prayer on Wednesday, um, but I just remember my, my mother, as you guys know, I came to faith at 19, but I remember her throughout my um, years, uh, especially teenage years, but her just coming into the room, um, the early hours of the morning, uh, the midnight hour, and just, and just praying and anointing my head with oil, um, and, just, and just saying that I will serve, that I will serve the Lord, um, that I will be saved, that I will serve the Lord. I just, I just remember that vividly over and over and over again, her coming into my room, anointing me with oil, and, and, um, and just praying, praying over me. So I'm very grateful for, for my mother, uh, and for her prayers of faith. Um, so, yeah, I praise God for her. Some of you guys have, have mothers like that too. That were, yeah, that were, that were praying for you. Um, and you guys, and God used that. God used that to draw you into, into the kingdom. I praise the Lord for my wife, who is the mother of my children. And for the work that she does with them. Um, and just, just blessing them and loving them and, um, and raising them up in the ways that they should go. So I praise the Lord for, for Deborah as well. I also praise the Lord for my mother-in-law, um, uh, the wife of my mother, um, and, and just an excellent and great mother-in-law. So, Wayne, thank you for all that you do and for all that you've done. Um, I also praise God and say Happy Mother's Day to my stepmom as well uh, in the UK, Karen. Happy Mother's Day to you as well, even though Mother's Day in the UK is back in March. So... Um, I want to speak to you today about uh, the significance of the womb. The significance of the womb. What does the Bible have to say about the womb? What does the Bible say about that? And we won't cover everything that the Bible says about the womb, but we will cover quite a bit this morning. We're going to go to several places in Scripture. In Genesis 1:27, the Bible tells us, first of all, that God created man in his own image. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. <clears throat> Genesis 2, 20 through 24. And today's message will be topical in nature. And again, we're going to go to many scriptures this morning. So Genesis 2, 20 through 24. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Woman, because she was taken out of men. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Genesis 5 and verse 2. He created male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the days they were created. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the days they were created. So we have male and we have female. We have men and we have women. 
We have male and we have female. We have men and we have woe men. Is there a difference between male and female? Is there a difference between man and woman? Yes. What then is the difference? What makes a male a male and what makes a female a female? What makes a man a man and what makes a woman a woman? What defines the two of them? Is it, is it favorite color? Is it hair length? Is it interest? Is it hairy legs and armpits? Is it a mustache? Is it hips and thighs? Is it breasts? What is it that defines a man and a woman? And it is none of the above. None of the above. And while you can predict where most of these features, traits, or preferences will fit, none of them are exclusive. Is there a difference between sex and gender? For us as Christians, no. Our sex refers to our sexual anatomy and chromosomes, and our gender is our God-given biological, social, and legal status as women and as men. Side note, our, our, our gender identity is not how we feel about our sex and gender. It's not how we feel about it. Our gender identity is what God has determined and established for us to be and also to walk in. He made them male and female. Amen. He made them male and female and there's nothing in between. And by the way, again, side note, the, the, the world today has, um, has defined about, uh, about ten, um, 10 different gender identities, at least. So they, they, they say male, female, you know, obviously as, as, as two of them, but then you have transgender, you have gender neutral, you have non-binary, you have agender, you have pangender, gender queer, two-spirit, third gender, and all of the above, none of the above, or a combination of those different things. And actually, when they put the combinations together and everything else, they say there's between 64 and 72, different. Just a side note. But he made them male and female. Amen. Moving on, so men determine the, the, the sex of the baby depending on whether they are carrying what, the X or Y chromosome. The, the men are the ones who determine the actual sex of the baby, depending on whether they are carrying X or Y chromosome. So the X chromosome that the man carries, if he carries that, when, when that is combined with the woman's X chromosome, then we have a beautiful baby girl, XX as we know. And if the man is carrying the, the, the Y chromosome, and then when that's combined with the woman's X, then XY, we have a baby boy. So the significance of the woman, the significance of the woman is the womb. This is what ultimately sets her apart from the man. And when you look at the word woman as well, you can almost see the word womb and man. What, what sets her apart is her womb. She is a womb man. She's a woman. Now again, I'm not reducing the, the, the value of a woman to her womb only. But I am saying that it's a very significant part of the woman and it's what separates her from the man. On the flip side, as a woman, I also, I don't want you to, um, some people downplay the significance of 
of the womb. And the world will try to get you to downplay the significance of the womb as a woman. So don't downplay it. That, that, is, that is a God-given gift to you. And do not allow the world to make you downplay the significance of the womb. With great significance also comes great responsibility. And with great responsibility comes greater accountability. A woman can change every part of her body, but she cannot create a womb. A man can change every part of his body, but he cannot create a womb. Amen. So the, the womb itself, the womb doesn't create life. The womb doesn't create life. It welcomes it. It receives it. It's an incubator. So the womb doesn't create life, but it receives life. It welcomes it. It's an incubator. The womb is, I believe, and I know the womb is the, the vehicle and or the bridge that serves God's great plan upon the earth, his plan of love. The womb is the vehicle and or the bridge that God that God's great plan of love is served. It's the place where God manifests his image upon the earth. It's through the womb. And here's a great example of that. We have Joshua. <clears throat> Joshua, Elisha, Yearwood. Now, <clears throat> Joshua was born, as many of you guys know, at 31 weeks and was 2 pounds and 12 ounces. I think of Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. But here's my son Joshua, and he was born at 31 weeks, and he was just 2 pounds and 12 ounces. And again, the, the womb is the vehicle and a bridge that serves God's great plan. It's the place where God manifests his image upon the earth. Baby Sabi. Baby Sabi was born at just 23 weeks and is the smallest premature baby in the world recorded to ever survive. Baby Sabi. She was born in December 2018 and was just 8.6 ounces. That's, that's half a pound, just over half of a pound. God's glory. Baby James. Elgin Gill was born at 21 weeks and five days. He was one pound and six ounces. Now, James held the, the record back in 1987 as the earliest, the earliest. So the last baby was the smallest, but Baby James was the, was the earliest premature baby in the world. And he kept his record until 2004 when this girl, Baby Lila, was born. So Baby Lila beat his record by a day. She was 21 weeks and four days. Now, now I, I, tell you, I tell you this and I say the, the days because I need you to understand that every single day and every single hour, every single minute, inside of the womb makes a difference. And a day inside the womb versus outside the womb could be the difference between life and death when they're this young. So baby Lila was 21 weeks and four days, and, and all these babies are, are, are strong and healthy today, by the way. But baby Lila was born at 21 weeks and four days, and she, can, um, she was born at one pound. She was 14 ounces, just under a pound. She was born. I'll do one more. Baby Amelia Taylor. Now this one, she'll, she'll teach us something. 
Amelia Taylor is the world's, was one of, the, one of the world's youngest premature babies as well, ever to survive. She was born at 21 weeks and six days, which was two weeks before the legal abortion cutoff at the time in the U.S. So during, during the time that she was born, it was, it was two weeks. She was born two weeks before the legal abortion cutoff in the U.S. She was 280 grams with paper skin, paper thin skin. 280 grams. She was just a, just a little longer than a pen, they say. She can teach us something. She can teach us something. Two weeks before the legal abortion cut off time. Now, I'm a little sensitive to this subject, as you know, because I had a, a premature baby myself, and at 31 weeks, and at 2 pounds, 12 ounces, I never knew anything like that was possible. But there are, there are others. And God sustains life. Now, I need you to pay attention to something, and I need you to understand this this morning. If you had the very best, from, from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, if you had the very best from Boston Children's Hospital, the very best from St. Jude's Medical Center, the very best from Great Ormond Street in London, if you had the very best Doctors, the best of the best. These are the world's best. If they were all together in one place and their careers depended on saving a baby that was 10 weeks, they would all fail miserably. If their careers were on the line and they had to save a baby that was 10 weeks old, that was born 10 weeks old, 30 weeks premature, the very best doctors in the world, if their careers depended on saving the life of that child, they would all fail miserably. All that child needs all that that child needs is found in one place, and it's the womb. Amen. All the child needs is found in one place, and that one place is the womb. My wife has never gone to medical school and may not even understand how the, how the baby within her was formed, but she's more capable of attending to life and preserving life of a fetus than any medical doctor or team is capable of. Because of the womb that she's been given. By the way, she just got into nursing school this week. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so we praise God for that. But the womb, the womb, the womb, the womb, the womb is a covering. The womb covers and it is a covering. The womb protects and supplies safety. The womb brings comfort. The womb provides, it brings nourishment. And food and it, it, it carries and it holds protects, it loves, it nurtures. The womb does all of these things. And it is the best place and the only place where the baby needs to be. We're speaking about the significance of the womb this morning. Deuteronomy 7.13, the Bible says that God blesses the fruit of the womb. He blesses the fruit of the womb. Now let's turn to Genesis 29, verse 31. 
Genesis 29:31. And we're going to read, read through chapter 30 and verse 2. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. Verse 35, and she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Verse 1 of chapter 30, Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Let's, let's begin with this. Only, only God can get the glory for an open womb. Only God can get the glory for an open womb. Some folks just, just, just expect it to happen and expect it to be. But I'm telling you, only God can get the glory for an open womb. And for you who, who have children, mothers and fathers, I want to remind you that they're a blessing from the Lord. I want to remind you of that this Mother's Day. They are a blessing from the Lord. It's not by your power, by your might, or by your strength. Only God gets the glory for an open womb. The womb is a reminder to women of God's gift to them, of God's favor, and of God's plan and purpose for them and through them. For a woman, her identity often begins with the womb. It's how she is defined as a woman. It's where her function and purpose is clearly known and at work. And the very worst thing for a woman in Bible days, we're talking Bible days, the very worst thing for a woman, culturally speaking, in Bible days, and if you've read the scriptures, you know this to be true, but the very worst thing was for them to be barren. For them, it was a shame. For, for them, it was a sign of Inadequacy. For them, they, they, they saw themselves as having an ineffective womb. For some, they, they thought they had no purpose. And they thought their lives had no meaning. She was often ridiculed, as we'll see later as we continue to read. She was scorned. And she was not seen. But I want to pause for a moment and I want to say this. To all of the women that have not had children or will not have children because of personal choice or because of inability. 
I want you to know today that God sees you. Amen. I want you to know today that God sees you and loves you very much. I want to remind you that God used a womb to bring you, yourself, into this world. He used a womb to bring you here in order for Him to shower you with His love and with His blessings. And God has a mighty purpose for you as well. Amen. And then finally, I want to remind you of this, that your ultimate identity is found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Never forget that. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1 as we move on here. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to read all the way through here. 1 Samuel 1, starting with verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. Verse 5, But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely, to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Verse 8. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow, verse 11, then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Verse 19. One of the greatest prophets that ever lived was Samuel. 
Then, she, then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice, the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three balls, one effort of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord. And she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord as long as as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. Amen. It's interesting in this passage of Scripture how Hannah's womb was not opened until she vowed to the Lord to give her child to him in service. Now for all of you women and men in the room, I want to remind you of that very thing for you who have children. The children that you have been given is not for your glory, not for your purpose, but for God's glory and for His purpose alone. Most, I can confidently say that most parents don't understand that. And I can also say that many Christian parents don't understand that. But your children that have been given to you, they are not for your purpose and for your plans and for your glory but they are for God's purpose and for His glory. And I love how, how Hannah said, you know, I'm, I'm lending him to you, but I think it was the other way around. I think God's, <laughs> God's lending them. <laughs> Hannah's like, I, I'm going to lend him to you. <laughs> I think it's the other way around. I think God's lending them <laughs> to us. But it's, but it's for His purpose and for His glory. I remember listening several years ago to, uh, to Paul Washer and he was speaking to um, a group of uh, young men and women, I think they were teens. And he told this group of teens, he said, man, he said, you know, I would, be, I would be honored for my child to tell me that he was going to the jungles to preach the gospel and to be on the mission field somewhere. He said, I'd be honored if my son told me he was going to the mission field in the jungles to preach the gospel. And he said, and, and even though I, I, I know it's dangerous and it could cost him his life, he said, I'd be honored. And when you hear that, you just kind of kind of pause. It's kind of sobering. And here's a man who understands this concept. Even if it cost his child their very lives, he said he would still be honored because they went as a missionary and they shared the good news, they shared the gospel. He understands something that, that many parents don't understand. 
Bible tells us to train up a child in the way that they should go. The Bible tells us, compares our children to arrows. The Bible says like, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Where are we directing our children? Where are we, who are we releasing them to? Are we releasing them into the corporate world? Are we releasing them? What are we releasing them into? What is your, what is your greatest desire for your child? Is it that they be successful on earth? Is that your greatest desire and your goal for your children? That they be successful in the world's eyes? Success, my friends, is walking with Jesus. It's the simplest way to define success. It's walking with Jesus. Your children belong, or child belongs to God. In Genesis 25, Genesis 25 in, in verse 21, we see Isaac is pleading with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea and then his wife, Rebecca, conceived. And then Rebecca, she's, she's feeling uncomfortable because the Bible says the children within her, they're, they're struggling. And she says to her husband, she says, if all is well with me, why, why am I feeling the way I feel? So then she goes in to inquire of the Lord, and then verse 23 says this. She goes in to inquire of the Lord, because there's this struggle on the inside of her. And the Lord said to her in Genesis 25 and verse 23, Two nations are in your womb. Mm, selah. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Zechariah 4.10 tells us, do not despise the, the days of small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. There is, there is no end without a beginning. There's, there is no um, second birth or salvation without a first birth. First birth comes and then the second birth, salvation comes. We see uh, a weak and, and fragile child, but God sees a nation. Our perspective versus God's. We see a, a weak and fragile child that may be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or ten pounds. We see a weak and fragile child, but God sees a mighty nation. He sees his plan, and he sees it through. Rebecca had two children on the inside of her, Jacob and Esau. But God said there are two nations, not two children. There are two nations within you. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and I set you aside. I sanctified you. I set you apart. As a, as a prophet to the nations, God has a plan for each and every single child and person before they ever manifest, before we ever see them, God has a plan for them. Apart from Adam, God's plan and purpose always came through a womb. Amen. Apart from Adam, God's plan and purpose always passes through the womb. It always passes through the womb. What God desires to do on earth first begins in a manifested womb, a, a, a child that, that manifests in the womb. God wanted to show his faithfulness and create a remnant of faith so he chose a womb 
Amathala. You guys know who Amathala is? Abraham's mother. God wanted to show his faithfulness and create a remnant of faith upon the earth. So he chose a womb. Amathala, Abraham's mother. God wanted to create 12 tribes and scatter them throughout the land with a mission for them to conquer and manifest his presence throughout the world. So he chose a single womb to do that. Rachel, to bring forth Jacob. He chose a womb. God wanted to deliver his people from 400 years of slavery. And God wanted Moses to do it. So he chose a womb. Jochebed. God wanted to prepare the way for Jesus. And he wanted a forerunner to go before him. So he prepared a womb. Elizabeth's womb for John the Baptist. And God wanted to send Jesus to save a lost and dying world that could not help themselves. So he chose a womb, Mary's womb, in order to bring forth his plan through Jesus. Amen? Every great man and every great woman came from a great womb. Every great man and every great woman came from a great womb. Every great man's opportunity and greatness came or began within the womb. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16, we see Herod is, is afraid. Herod is the king, and he is terrified. And, and Herod does the unthinkable. Herod does something that, that Pharaoh did back in Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. And, and Herod is, is afraid of something. He's, he's fearful of something. He's a, he's a radical and, and crazy king. But Herod's afraid. So Herod does the unthinkable, the unthinkable and he commits or he commands mass genocide to the innocent. That's what he does. And Matthew 2.16 says this, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. So Herod is afraid. And he releases the, the command to, to kill, just, just kill all of the kids, the male children, two years old and, and younger. Do you guys know that the, the enemy understands the, the power and the importance of the womb? The enemy himself understands that. The enemy knows that and the enemy understands that. Do you guys think that, that Herod and Pharaoh, that they were afraid of babies? Herod wasn't afraid of babies. Pharaoh wasn't afraid of babies. They were afraid of purpose. They were afraid of purpose. And they were afraid of God's plan manifesting and coming to be. They were afraid of purpose. So they said, kill all the male children. And we see back here that the fruit of the womb was under attack and the fruit of the womb has always been under attack. And the fruit of the womb is still under attack today. The fruit of the womb. People, people 
in, in the world, they may, they may feel like they're, they're choosing, like they're, you know, choice, I'm choosing. They may feel like that, but ultimately, they're being used for Satan's plan and Satan's agenda, to put it directly. That is Satan's plan, and that has always been Satan's plan. To destroy purpose. And every single time that a baby is manifested and, and, and comes out of the womb, it's a reminder of God and His gift and His, and His image. We are image bearers. And Satan cannot, he cannot create life as we know, but he can distort it or attempt to destroy it. So you may think that you're choosing or that you have a choice, but in fact, you're a pawn. And you're being used by the enemy for his greater plan. Whether you're conscious of that or not makes no difference. Because that is his ultimate plan. You think you're in control, but you're not. You're actually being controlled, you're being deceived, and you're being manipulated by the enemy. In Luke 11 and verse 27, Jesus here, he's, he's teaching the crowd, and, and a woman is being blessed by him as he's teaching. She's being blessed. And then she interrupts him, and this is what she says. He says, and it happened as, as he spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb, blessed is the womb that bore you. And the breasts which nursed you. Blessed is the womb that bore you. And the breasts which nursed you. You can say the same thing to every individual in this room. Blessed is the womb that bore you. And the breasts which nursed you. The consecration for Samson began within the womb. His consecration, his sanctification began within the womb. He was called a Nazarite unto God, the Bible says, from the womb. In Psalm 22, David says, you were my God from the belly. You were my God from the belly. Before I ever came out, you were my God. That's great. I mean, that, that's, that's incredible. But David says, you were my God from the belly belly, from the womb, you were my God. Psalm 58, in verse 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb, they go astray as soon as they are born speaking lies. And the purpose of the womb is not just until birth, but it is after that. It's important that we stay connected to the womb by honoring the gifts that women have and not despising those gifts. Psalm 127 verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord and the fruit of the womb a reward. Psalm 139 and verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Can you guys see that the womb is a tool that the Lord uses to accomplish His purpose? He uses wombs. And again, we see the womb here as a covering. But you formed, you formed my inward parts. You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. We were formed together from the womb. In conclusion today, every great man and every great woman came from a great womb. Every man's greatness and opportunity began within the womb. And the fullness of God's greatest plan came through the womb. I'm going to say that again. The fullness of God's greatest plan came through a womb. Let's read it as we close here 
today, Luke chapter 1. We'll read from 26 and we'll work our way down. Take our time and read this. May the Spirit of God speak to you as we, as we read Luke 1, starting at verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And a lot of what we spoke about today, you're going to see is captured and knit together within this one passage. We spoke about the, the, the favor of God being upon women. Verse 29, but when, he, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Amen. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Amen. Amen. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be unto me according to your word. This is, this, is the, this is the Savior. And Mary is responding to the angel. She's responding to the plan of God. And she's saying, let it be. Let it be according to your word. That's where the, the Beatles got their song from, by the way, let it be. Verse 39, now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted, and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Then she spoke out with a loud voice. And said, blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now we have verse 
46. Now we have Mary's song. This is Mary's song now. She rejoices and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Amen. Amen? God's son Jesus was born through a womb, through the virgin Mary. His son came. Jesus came. And he came to earth not for himself, but he came for you. He came for you. God's greatest plan came through a womb. God said, this is how I'm going to bring my son to the earth. I'm going to do it through a willing womb. I'm going to do it through a womb that is open, through a womb that is submitted to me, through a womb that agrees with my plan, through a womb that is obedient. And Mary was that woman. And she was just a girl and just a teenager at the time, but she was willing and she was obedient. And she gave birth to the Savior of the world. Now Jesus Christ, he came for you. And if you're in this room today or if you're online and you haven't met Jesus, and you acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you've made mistakes, that you fall short and that you deserve punishment, some kind of consequence for your sins. The Bible says that that, that some kind of consequence is eternal damnation. Hell is what you deserve. The lake of fire forever is what you and I deserve because of our sin. But Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. And he died in your place and in my place so that we wouldn't have to. And he said, Father, I will take his place. I will take her place. Pour out your wrath upon me. And that's what God did upon the cross. He poured out all of his wrath upon Jesus. And Jesus was crucified. And he died and was buried. But the Bible says that in three days he he rose again. Because death couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him because he was without sin. Death has rights and dominion over the sinner. But Jesus, because he had no sin, death couldn't hold him. So he rose again on the third day. And he said, now, just as I have risen, if you believe in me and trust in me in the same way that I have shown the world that I am risen, you too can live again after death. For I'm going to prepare a place for you. And you can trust in me. Every other so-called God and prophet died and remained dead. And you can visit their graves, their tombs, their shrines. But Jesus, the tomb was empty. And he's the only one with an empty tomb. Father, we thank you today. We love you and we bless you. We thank you that you've made a way for us. We thank you, Lord, that 
You came through a womb, that you went to the tomb, and that you rose again. For whomever may believe, your word says, For all who call upon you shall be saved. So, Father, I pray that anyone who doesn't know you today in this room or online, that they will call upon you. And Father, you promise to save them. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for today. We thank you for the power of the womb. We thank you, Lord, that your greatest plan and purpose came through a womb. And we thank you, Lord, that, that your greatest plans on the earth oftentimes we see comes through wombs. So, Father, we pray and we bless, Father, the, the wombs. Father, of those who have had children and of those who have not. Father, we thank you for your hand upon their lives. We thank you for your grace, which is sufficient for us all. We love you, Father. We magnify you and we bless you today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you believe, say amen. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.